This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast and we're coming to you after a double bubble week we had two games this week we're trying to sort of finish off with a bit of glory going into the world cup where we're going to have a break for a month so we played Nottingham Forest on a Saturday and we played Gillingham the Jills on a Tuesday and we would have loved to have two results out of two but unfortunately it didn't quite go according to plan Nottingham Forest they equalized in the 90th plus six minute and Gillingham there was a late equaliser, then there was a penalty woe as the Bees went out of the League Cup on penalties. I'm Billy Grant, I'm sitting here in the virtual joint with a couple of my buddies. I've got um, Ali Mullally in the house. Ali, how are you? I'm very well, Bill. I am got over the uh, uh, trauma of uh, Tuesday night and I am very, very excited for the double bubble weekend. The double bubble weekend, because you're going to talk about that in a little bit. We don't, we don't, don't want to spoil any surprises now, do we? No. Actually, no, it's very good. No. We've got Laney in the house. Laney, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. Yeah, um, got yeah, a bit like Ali. Got over Tuesday's disappointment quite quickly. Um, there was other other upsets in the in the Caribou Cup this week, um, so we weren't we weren't on our own. But uh, yeah, it was a massive missed opportunity, and we'll we'll be talking about that. Um, and we've also got a, a big opportunity to put that right up at um, the Etihad on Saturday morning. Yeah, okay, you know, just just a simple task for it to be done. I mean, the thing is, I mean, listen, I know that we went out on penalties to to the deals, which we'll talk about that game in a little bit minute now. But you know me, I'm a glass half full person, Laney. And, and for me, for what I can understand, there was a directive from the mayor of London because it's always his fault. Sadiq Khan, it is always his fault, and he, he had a directive that, to be honest, we don't want any London clubs in the League Cup anymore. <laughs> So basically, it's true though. And then he just said, right, and then everyone went, fair enough, Sadiq. So basically, all the London clubs decided that they weren't in the League Cup and then they just lost all their games, didn't they? 
if you say so, mate. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. Charlton's I didn't. Still in it. Is that um? In it. No, Tottenham went out to Forest. Charlton, yeah. not Tottenham. Charlton's not in. Charlton's well, not in London, is it? If we are, if, if, if they are, say, we are. We are, they are. <laughs> yeah, care, careful, mate. Yeah. Well, um, not, I don't know. Not, not, for I don't this, know. not for this piece, they're not. You know what I'm saying? You know, for this for this piece, they're south of the river and they're sort of kind of Woolwich way. So that's kind of like you know that's. I think sort it's of the, the, isn't the Supreme Council sort this out, don't they? Yeah. The Supreme Committee, actually. You know, which I actually spoke to. I tell you something, and I actually talking about the Supreme Committee. I actually spoke to the Supreme Committee. I was driving up to Nottingham Forest on Saturday. I was feeling a bit lonely and I thought I'm going to call somebody. I pressed my button and the call went into Qatar and I actually was speaking to the Supreme Committee and it's like, hello, Bill, how are you doing? And he says, have you set up that um, Supreme Committee of London branch yet? And I went, I'm really sorry, mate. We've been really slacking. But yeah, I had a little chat, good old chat to the Supreme. You probably think I'm lying, but it's honest truth. I did speak to the Qatari Supreme Committee on the way to Nottingham Forest about a few things because, you know, I mean, I've got a few Sounds things Sounds like you're now. a spy, mate, to be honest yeah. with you. <laughs> No, indeed. But anyway, but like I said, coming back to it, like I said to you, like I said to you, League Cup, out of the League Cup, all London comes out of the League Cup, so we shouldn't feel so bad about it, to be quite honest with you. And Charlton, they may be in it, but, you know, they're not in London as far as we're concerned. But, you know, coming back to the Supreme Committee and the fact that England are going to Qatar in a couple of weeks' time, and uh, as Gareth knows that England are going to Qatar, so he decided that he's going to pick his England squad. And no surprises there were there, lady, that Ivan Tony didn't quite make the final pick or neither did um, Rico Henry, is it? No, it's a, it was a shame. It, it, we, we saw it all coming, though, didn't we? You know, from, from the excitement of him being called up to the England squad for those two, you know, the last two internationals against Italy and Germany um, and him sort of being paraded in front of the, you know, the, the, the FA's press, um, you know, press conference and him talking about you know his journey and the excitement about call being called up to England well that was as exciting as it got for Ivan Tony really and it, it wouldn't surprise me if that was the last time we see him anywhere near the England team um, he you know he may decide that really you know unless he goes to a big club um, and gets gets you know uh, gets his nose pushes his nose in for a, you know, to the front of the queue as Wilson's done at, at Newcastle then he he may as well go and um, you know get a lot of caps and have a lot of fun for Jamaica. We'll see what happens. You know, I, I personally hope um, he sticks with England because he's got a lot to offer. But um, you know, it is a it's a snub for Brentford as much as it is for for Ivan Tony. I fear. I mean, Ali. I mean, I know there's been a lot of chat on our group on the last couple of months about Ivan Tony and England. Um, you know, it's almost like the the moment came. Leeds United, Man United, that was the moment where we were, Brentford were on a buzz, everyone was talking about it, and we were on a buzz. As soon as we went off boil, the whole conversation about him went off boil as well, didn't it? Oh, yeah, 100%. I mean, it, it's just, you have to look at it from a point of view that if, if you take your Brentford hat off slightly, it's sort of like Wilson has come into form at exactly the right time, and Ivan's form along with our form has dipped a bit. Um and I, I don't think, I just don't think Southgate likes him. I just don't, he just doesn't like him, whether it's because he's a Brentford player. He, I don't think he rates him. And I, I honestly think he, he, the only reason he put him in the squad was it wasn't because he felt that he deserved it like he clearly does. I think he put him in the squad because the clamour and the press had got, at that point had got so high and it was just, a, right, OK, I'll put him in the squad. I don't think as soon as, like Laney says, as soon as he never played him or did it give him any minutes, it was pretty obvious that he wasn't, interested in taking them to the World Cup, sadly. And the other one is, I, there's one left back in that squad. You know, Rico, by all accounts, wasn't even in the 55. And it's just, I, I, I actually think Rico's probably 
even more deserving of going to the World Cup than Ivan because he's so consistent. And to not be anywhere near it is, well, it, it's just baffling, really. Baffling. I think sometimes you look at it and Gareth Southgate, for, and he's done a lot of good for England, but, you know, he's taken players who are out of form, who, who aren't really fit, and it's just... And not taking informed players like Rico. And, you know, Ivan's dropped off in the last few weeks, but he's still got... I think it's only Kane, Madison and Saka who've got more assists and goals this season. And out of the top seven assists and goals, everybody else is in there. Well, I think Bowen, uh, Foden were the other two and one more I can't remember. And Ivan's the only one who's not there. So I, I just, I do think there is an element of big club bias there. I really, really do. Yeah, I mean, Jared Bowen didn't go either, but I mean, but I have to say, like, oh, Con- no, but Conor, Conor Gallagher, he, he, oh. he, he can only he can only be there because he's he's gone back to Chelsea. I think if he's still a Crystal Palace player mm. and, and arguably playing better than he is at Chelsea, then he probably doesn't go. It's 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 very it's very predictable what Gareth Southgate does. His players are all kind of similar, kind of kind of a bit. Well, I wouldn't say squeaky clean because you got you know you got Foden in there that. You know, gets up to all kinds of shenanigans with, uh, with uh, you know, with meeting meeting ladies in hotels in Iceland. That was just one example, um, you know, fairly recently. Um, but you know, the rest of them, Ivan, Ivan does stand out as being a bit kind of awkward. I would say amongst the rest of them, he's he's, he's certainly not squeaky clean as I say the rest of that squad. Um, so may, maybe maybe he thinks he's probably a little bit maybe harder to to not police, but just I don't know. I, I, I think he's got he likes a certain kind of personality, and maybe Ivan doesn't quite fit that mould. I don't think Madison fits that mould. To be fair, um, but you know Madison has been in such good such good form. I think he just has to go really. Um, you know, just the sheer sheer force of what he's done in the last well certainly this season and most of last season as well. I think he deserves to be there. I mean, I can't stand him, but. You know, he, I would hope percent say he deserves to be there, but he certainly doesn't fit the mould mold of squeaky clean by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, and, and, and I was going to say about the Madison as well. Um, a little bit disappointed that he's going because, you know, obviously Madison and Brentford really, we, there's a bit of beef between us, you know, and it hasn't, he hasn't go down particularly well with us at all. But at least we had the song, You Never Play For England. But now we're saying, actually, now even that song might have to be out the window because, like, you know, he's gone and he's, he's outdone us yet again because he's like, looks like he, he's going to play for England and uh, that son's going to have to go into the, into the bin, isn't it? I, th- I think that song already should have been in the bin because he's already played for England, but never mind, you know. I, 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 you know, yeah, I can't stand him. I, but if you're looking at it purely from an England point of view, not a Brentford point of view, he, I think he has to be there. To be honest, much as it pains me to say it, at least I think at least at least we have, we have closure on that now. You know, it's it's you know, the willy wonty thing. Um, does he do, does he doesn't he deserve his place? You know, we can talk about that till the cows come home. You know, barring a lot of injuries uh, tonight. Um, I know Man United are playing tonight against Aston Villa, so Rashford's involved in that. And then you know there's a weekend, um, the last round of games before the World Cup. Anything can happen, but you yeah, know I, I, I think it's it's quite nice to everyone just to kind of yeah just to, just know that Ivan can kind of rest rest up a little bit now. He's got six weeks now to. Uh, to, to 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 swan off and get some sunshine. Hopefully, no. Can he not just uh, yeah, no, no more social. Yeah, no more social media <laughs> nonsense. Just go and chill. Um, and all the Brentford players that aren't going, we need you. And we need them to be in tip-top form when you come back because we need to start start another season. We've got a lot of work to do. 
That's right. Indeed, we have a lot, or we haven't got a lot of work. We've got a lot of work to do because we've got a, we've got a whole podcast to put together in a very short space of time so we can get out for the people out there as well. And, uh, I mean, this weekend we're going to be talking about the Manchester City game. We've got David from the Blue Moon podcast who's going to be talking to us about that game later as well. We're going to be looking back at Nottingham Forest and the Gillingham game. We've got JB, of course, with his facts and his funks. He like a bit of penalty facts and funks as well They're from JB. But also, like I said to you, a game on Saturday against Manchester City. But there's also a big game of BG, as we call it, on the Sunday at New Griffin Park because we have got Brentford women's team are playing in the stadium, our new stadium for the very first time ever. And we've got Watford, and we talked about this last week, Watford, but they're not the scarf that they used to sell back in the 70s because uh, this is a different type of scenario with the Watford team. They're coming down to play the Brentford women. And like I said to you, 6,000 tickets have already been... Um, well, 7,000 7, tickets have over, now just 7, been... Have, have actually been um, 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 sold or, or, or released for that game at the moment now. And we're trying to get a record crowd. Well, it's already a record crowd without a shadow of a doubt for that game. And Ali, I mean, I know that you have been... Very, very excited about that, haven't you? I think it's great. I think it's brilliant. I think, you know, it's it's really important for women's football that uh, clubs continue to ride, ride the wave from the success of the Lionesses at the Euros and the success uh, of the tournament uh, in this country and the success of it at Brentford. And it would have been a huge opportunity missed if, if the club hadn't taken this opportunity to put the women in the stadium. And, you know, they play some they play some really nice football. I think, you know... People are not, well, surprise is probably the wrong word, but, you know, people are going to go down and they're going to see them play good football. And what I love about watching Brentford women is that you can actually see the whole ethos of the football club there because Carly's got them playing very much in the style of the way the men's team play, of the way the B team play, or they are, although they are capable of holding on to a 2-1 lead, having come from behind. Um, but, uh, yeah, they, they are, they're a really, actually a really good watch and I really hope that everybody who's taken up a ticket does actually come down and support them gets behind them and gives them a really good experience and I think I'm hoping that it's something that we can do you know obviously we can't do it every week because we sh- you know we share the stadium and we wouldn't get enough fans every week but it's something that we could maybe do once a season just to um, promote their profile because they are very much part of the club now and uh I think they really deserve it because they work really hard and you've got to remember they're not professional players so they are all doing full-time jobs then going to training coming out and playing for the club on Sunday and representing the club a lot of them work for the trust and work very hard for the trust and you know I think it's a great opportunity to support women's football and Brentford women in general and I hope everybody comes down they make a lot of noise and get behind the girls um, because they're a very good team they'll almost certainly win it um, and win it well and I think it's going to be a great day, whatever happens. OK, and, and, and tell you something as well, because obviously, Ali, you go week in and week out to see Brentford women as well. They've got two teams. They've got the they've got the first team and they've also got the B team. I think the B team are away. I don't know whether they're the away. It's not, it's I, not Enf- I think, is it Enfield Town? I think they might be away at Enfield Town. Was Enfield last weekend? Oh, was it last, it weekend? Been last weekend? Okay, see. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I could be wrong. I'm keeping, wrong. I'm keeping tabs, check. though. I'm keeping tabs, like, you know. But, um, yeah, so that's. The, I think that they're playing a game where they've got a couple of hours to get try and get to the first team game yeah. as well against Watford. Yeah. But... Just who who they're to look out for, and I know obviously all the players to look out for. But I'm just wondering, you know, for, uh, for people who haven't seen them play, who should they be looking out for? Okay, so uh, they've got uh, Chloe Logie, who's our number nine, and she's only 16, and she is uh, amazing striker. She got four goals in one game the other week, and she is one of those strikers that pretty much, 
if she gets a shot of goal, she gets a clear shot of goal and she doesn't score, you're surprised. Um, she's done so well this season. Um, and I was chatting to her dad and she's never actually had before now any real official training. She's not been through an academy or anything. So she's quite a talent. Um, the, uh, their, their captain, Molly Holmes, I'm not sure she's going to play because it looked like she tweaked her hamstring last weekend, which would be a real shame. So she's sort of like, yeah, I don't know. She's your Norgard in the team. And uh, she really does patrol the midfield really well. I think she's a great watch. And then you've got... Nikki Saunders um, on the wing, uh, who I believe is no relation to, to Sam. Um, but she's, she plays on the wing and she had an absolutely fantastic game actually last Sunday. Uh, she does, gets part, goes past players, carries the ball really well. Um, and she's another one to watch out for. But Logie is undoubtedly, for me, the star of the team at the moment. Um, and I, I, it's, it's going to be really exciting to see how she develops. Hopefully she'll develop with us for a couple of seasons, although I fear she might get poached very quickly. Um, but yeah, she's undoubtedly the star of the team at the moment for me. That's good. And and, and Elliot also, I mean, obviously, like I said, 7,000 tickets gone already. Just to emphasise, these tickets are free, so you can actually get them, I believe, on the Brentford website. But just tell us yes. exactly how they can get tickets. So you can go to the Brentford website, tickets at brentfordfc.com. Uh, if you have a ticketing account, you can just go select the game. It'll be there on your homepage and you could buy up to six tickets. Don't be confused by the fact that it's sort of like there's all this stuff about your friends and family. You don't have to assign them to anybody. You could just buy, buy them in inverted commas in your own name. If, you're, if you want to take a big group, then um, just uh, email the ticket office and or ring the ticket office and they'll be able to, to book you in as a big group. Um, at the moment, they're selling tickets in the East Stand, oh. in the away fans oh. area. So if you want to go and see the away fans view... That's a really, really good. Now would be a really good time to get a ticket because you'll be able to see what the how the away fans see games. So the whole the south stands all gone, or the north stands all gone, and they're now into uh, releasing tickets. They've released tickets for the east stand. So considering they were only thinking they were going to have to open one stand. What about the west stand? Yeah, I think because it's it's the biggest stand oh. and it's the most difficult to to open, the most costly to open, is my understanding. Oh. Um, but. Uh, Considering they thought they would only have be opening, need to open one stand, and I think their aim was four thousand, so they've almost doubled what they were aiming to get. So I think that's brilliant, that's fantastic. Excellent. Okay, so get yourselves down there on Sunday, um, New Griffin Park. Uh, what time's the kick off again? Three o'clock, isn't it? It's three three o'clock. That's yeah, right. Three o'clock, and there's a. I understand there's going to be Hey Jude and everything. So get there in time. Bring your scarves. Right. Bring your singing voices, right. and get behind the girls. Bring the full Monty. So anyway, but listen. We're going to have a little break and then we're going to come back and then we're going to talk about a couple of games that we played over four days um, over the weekend and on Tuesday night. Nottingham Forest. So what can I say about Nottingham Forest? I'm going to talk about Gillingham later because, to be honest, we're trying to put that out of our minds, but it's going to be a big subject, that one, the Gillingham one. But Nottingham Forest, what a brilliant away day. I think it's just tremendous, tremendous. Listen, you know, we all been coming up and looking forward to going to Liverpool and Man United and Man City and all these other places but to me Forest are so happy they're back in the Premier League because great stadium old school stadium good vibe loud fans by the river loads of pubs really friendly what a brilliant brilliant away day as for the game itself god we were terrible in the first half weren't we yeah we were um it was it was 
all the things we didn't want to to be witnessing. I, I, we needed to be uh, straight out the blocks. We needed to be sharp. We needed to take the game to Nottingham Forest, and I really thought it was an opportunity to kind of underline our Premiership credentials. It didn't really look like that at all. Um, I know we we had to you know start the game without Ivan, but we can't rely on him totally. Um, and if you you know switch one player up top there. Um, this still uh, still gives everyone else the opportunity to shine, um, and we just didn't do that, and it it it, it wasn't really a surprise to, to see us go behind. Um, you know, I kind of feared the worst leading into the game. I, I, I predicted that we were going to lose. Um, I'm, I'm really glad that didn't transpire, but I think a lot of Brentford fans were quite um, relieved and kind of surprised that we got. You know, not not that the penalty was given, but that we we got a chance out of pretty much nothing. We, it's not like we were building up to that, and it was a you know a period of sustained pressure, and a goal looked like it was on the cards. It was a great ball over, um, and we uh, did well to get onto it, and you know he was he, he was touched and, and brought down. He looked like he was trying to stay to keep on his feet to his credit. So that's that's why the you know going down lightly um, accusation doesn't stick as far as I'm concerned. Um, so we go in square and then we come out and then um, you know we, we were we were a lot better but I, th- I just expected a lot more from us from from the get-go and you know it shouldn't have taken us to go behind to or half time to give us a kick up the arse. Yeah, I agree with with everything that Lenny said about the first half. I thought the first half was awful. Um, I, I think the the substitution of Vitali for Frank was was what made a massive difference to the second half. Vitali for me clearly isn't fully fit. Uh, he didn't have a good game, and Frank came on, and it, it just the whole tempo for us changed. And I thought it was it had very much a feel, didn't it? That game for me, all all the way through of Leeds away last season when we similarly didn't have Ivan and we were awful first half and then I think I think it was Baptiste that came on second half wasn't it and uh, the game changed and I think second half we were really good we were really good value for our lead I think it was a great it was a lovely goal fantastic ball over the top by Jensen who again had another excellent game uh, lovely finish by Wister I mean you put him in that situation I think out of all our all our forwards he's the one you'd bank on to score even over Ivan, I think, sometimes in those situations. And then then we just do this thing where we get our noses in front and then we just sit deeper and deeper and deeper and let the ball keep coming back and coming back and coming back with exactly as happened at Leeds last season, the inevitable consequence of a late equaliser for them. And it's just you, just, you can just see it coming. And I, I, for a coach that talks about bravery a lot, sometimes we're just not brave enough in those situations. I think if we'd been a little bit braver, we'd stayed on the front football, we would have won that game. Um, and it's it's really frustrating because we could all see it coming. We could all see it coming. A point is better than no points, 100%, but um, especially after the first half. But yeah, I, I, was, I was disappointed with the way we just sat back and let them come back at us and, and lost control of the game in the last 10 minutes. I mean, it's interesting you say a point, you know, is is better than no points. Um, I mean, the reality is, and the fact is, that in the first half we were really bad. You know, we were really bad, and 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 I think we were quite, uh, we were quite happy to go in. I think, as Laney said, at one all oh, yeah. at half time yeah. to, to have got that penalty out of the blue. You know, we were quite good, and and the fact is, again, we'll just throw the stats into the pot. Um, you know, xG wise, you know, um, Nottingham Forest were two point zero seven, and we were one point three nine. But you have to remember, what of our one point three nine, zero point eight was a penalty. 
right so okay so we, like, you know all the rest of that so we've got the penalty we had the Wiesa chance which Wiesa chance was 39% so one in four of those normally goes in the back of the net you know obviously the penalty is like eight out of ten normally go to the back of the net but other than that the chances we had were literally and I'm trying to find them now they're like they're, they're, I don't think I can even click on them but they're so small in Bumo you know 45 plus three which was oh hold on a second um, oh no, that's a penalty. You know, I'm just saying that that was a penalty, which was 45 plus three. But other than that, there's been Boomer in 56 minutes, which was a four percent chance. It was outside the area, so four out of 100 going the back of the net. Basically, we didn't really create anything on goal other than that, other than the two shots on goal. Whereas Forest, they had one, two, probably three, four, you know, decent chances, and then another probably four sort of smaller chances in the area so I think you know if you speak to our forest chums which you heard us chatting to before the game on the pre-match podcast chatting and there's a lot of forest on the post-match podcast which we'll you know we'll hear from a little bit their whole thing they're saying is that you know they're finishing their chances is where their problems are and probably their lack of finishing probably actually helped us in the end and I would say that point even though it's disappointing that they let a goal in 90th plus six minutes was actually probably a fair result. No, I mean, we had we had can you know Canos looked like he was had a decent chance towards the end. I, I you know I, th- I thought he could have done a little bit better there. I know Godos was through, but he was offside. Um, but I think you know as Ali said, you know we I just expected us to be taking the game further up the pitch and being a little bit braver at the end because it was wave after wave and, and you know we, we we're okay at the back, but we're not that we're, we're not rock solid. Yeah, it's, it's just. I mean, you know, it's just, I don't, I'm, with all due respect, Bill, I don't really care if it was a fair result. We were 2-1 up, you know, and we just decided that we were just going to sit back and let them come out of there. Of course, they're XG's high and they create chances because we're just sitting on our 18-yard line. We just sit deeper and deeper and deeper. They're going to create more and more chances. Whereas if we'd pushed them up, if we'd pushed them up the pitch, you know, it would have been, it, you know, it could well have been a different story. And we expect that from Forest, right? You know, there, there, there wasn't a massive amount of quality there. Yes, there was, you know, there was a lot of blood and thunder, and there was a lot of energy, and there was a lot of, you know, desire. They want, you know, they there wasn't great quality up up top, and we knew that. I mean, we all knew that that was going to happen. We've seen that in the, you know, their previous games that they give it a right go, um, but we second season spent a lot of money. I expect a little bit more quality from from some of our wide players, and I, I'm just not seeing it. I, I, that's yeah. that's my biggest bugbear at the moment, and we'll we'll talk about that. I'm sure, um, you know, the Gillingham game, with our wide men aren't doing it for us, and we've spent a lot of money on them, um, and I I don't. It's baffling me. I don't. Yeah, I mean, just just looking at the game and just you know how that game panned out. Not enough for us with their strengths, where they created a high number of chances relative to their possession. They also stole the ball from us quite a lot, and they also created goal-scoring opportunities from long shot situations. Uh, they actually had no significant weaknesses, according to who scored. Whereas we were effective at creating goal-scoring opportunities from through balls, and we were strong at finishing, but we committed a high number of individual errors I mean Morgan Gibbs White they gave the highest score to uh, he scored his goal was that his first goal for us I'm not sure is that first or second he has hardly scored any I mean they haven't scored very many goals but you know it's his goal for them so he scored that for them as well then we had Wiesa and Bumo as well then Nico Williams came in and then Matthias Jensen sort of the top rated players according to who scored as well but you know <laughs> You know, six, 16 attempts to six, or if you just want to look at the straight up stats, okay, of 12 of them are from open play and four to us. So as you could say that, you know, Forrest were 
um, you know, they were they were going for it. And as you say, OK, yeah, we, we set back. I know that Thomas sometimes says, oh, I love defending. I love defending. Let them come at us. Let them come at us and probably expect well, we them to, to hit them on the break. Yeah, of course. Well, we do need to we do need to defend better. And uh, and also that goal, like I said to you, because it was really frustrating because what's happened is that and I turned around to Laney, it was, it was 90th minute and they were Forrest seemed to have run out of ideas. They were lobbing the ball into the area and literally even Pinnock every time was just heading the ball out. Lobbing it, heading the ball. I'm sure I said to Laney, I said to him, mate, all day long, all day long. Oh, it's, it's extra time. Oh, let them do that all day long. Then all of a sudden it was like, you know, lob it into the area. Oh, no. What's going on? Oh, no. Balls at the back of the net. Oh, VAR. Oh, no. VAR. So <laughs> so that was frustrating. And I, I haven't actually watched it back as yet, but what exactly went down? The ball cannoned off. Uh, there was a, it was ping pong in the, in the ball bounced out, bounced back. And then I think it went off the anchor in the end into the net. Or was it? And me. Me did a desperate try to clear it off the line, and I think then it, the referee's signal on his watch said it was over the line. Oh, yeah, dodgy watch, the, the dodgy watch. Okay, so because we were we were expecting it to be pulled up and then to call something and for us to get a free kick, and then it just didn't happen, and they were all cheering. But then if you if you do look at I don't know stills can stills can be deceiving, but if you look at the stills, it, it's whether or not there is a player who is clearly his feet are in an offside position. It's whether or not. That player was deemed to be interfering with play when the ball came in, and you, I suppose you could argue the toss all day, all day long about whether or not he was. I think there was an offside VAR at the end, was there not? Yeah, there was. Was there yeah, not? Yeah. yeah, there was, and that just, and it just obviously it wasn't offside. So, uh, you yeah, know, we never, know, we never know, and it's one of them things. But look, you know, the Forest game, you know, for me, and and a lot of people saying I'm really disappointed because Forest are bottom of the league and we should be getting points there, you know. But for me, in this league, you know, for us, we just need to be picking up points here and there. And listen, I'd love to have got three points against them, but you know, getting another point and just sort of cementing our position. I mean, I was on the Anfield Rap podcast again today, and they just said, listen, you're you're mid table. Your upper mid, upper, upper bottom half of the table, as they call it, in eleventh place. You know that's not a bad position to be in. Did you expect to be there at the start of the season? And I said, well, to be quite honest, you know, you know, I predicted twelfth, not eleventh, but you know, and I'm not being smart ass. I'm just saying that's kind of like you know where it was, one place above last season. So we're doing all right. You know what we need to do is that we need to make sure that we're not going to tail off Manchester City, which we'll talk about later. We probably didn't expect to get anything out of that so if we get anything if we get one point it's an absolute bonus so we were expected to go into that um into into the international break um as is as it is and then we've got a month to recuperate get all the injured players back for them to get back into training and then that's going to be a positive thing from there but anyway listen you know we've got the nottingham forest game which we're going to go to the fans and hear what they had to say then we're going to go and listen to the fans after the gillingham game to see what they had to say after that match put the scissors away so I thought we had it sewn up there to be honest um, Forrest got the fireworks out the background they're celebrating again you know oh we get the shush and everything from eight corner but look Brentford end of the day I think we were maybe lucky to go in one all at half time second half we seemed to dominate we had the chances we played a lot better front the tank got to give him props for the way he played and uh, changed the game a little bit but yeah disappointing that we didn't get the result today very disappointing you know what? I, I kind of, I kind of do think a point was a fair result. We were very poor in the first half. We were very poor. We were lucky to go in at halftime for a point. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just fucking. It's heartbreaking, isn't it, to lose it at, at the death like that after six minutes. I didn't, I didn't understand how, how there was that much injury time to play. But yeah, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just, I'm devastated after that. It's just. It's just heartbreaking to see it right at the end, isn't it? At the death, you know. I've never been so angry. That first half performance for us deserved to go in one or two goals ahead. 
VAR again, just I'm struggling with it. That first half destroyed the game for me. No matter what happened in the second half, I was so angry. When we eventually scored at the end, I had my head in my hands already thinking it wasn't a goal, so I never had that, that joy of celebration. VAR has destroyed the experience for me. Like, we were still moaning at the ref. Our players can't be doing that. We still were, were messed up in our heads, and I knew straight away we were in trouble because the players, they need to concentrate. We can get on the referee's back, not the players, and they hadn't recovered from it. So I, I am, I'm gutted because we need these points so, so badly, and we had the opportunity. I was so mad, and I still am, because I felt like in the first half, we should have done something. We should have tied it up in the first half, not to be cocky, because we don't expect anything in this league. But I feel like today we should have learned from previous mistakes and actually done something and gone for it, and we didn't again. So we didn't take the chances we deserved to lose. Suddenly we scored, and half nobody in my row saw it because we were too busy going mental that we were losing again. So, you know. So obviously I'm happy we've got a point because all I wanted before the World Cup is a minimum of four points. But now that means we've got to get three points next Saturday against Palace, which, you know, I don't know. Hope, hope we can do it, but we just need to keep getting those points on the board. I'm gutted, gutted, going home gutted. You know, probably deserve a result at the end of the day because we probably shouldn't be 1-1 at the end of the first half, so just sold us to an in at the end. Yeah, I got a bit pretty pissed off with that, to be honest. But I had no idea what our tactics were there. We were a better team by a mile. No real desire to get a second goal. One nil up early, perhaps made it too easy. Fannied around on the ball, probably at 99% possession, but bugger all shots. You know, trying to play a football that we don't normally play. Little balls over the top rather than missing some straightforward shooting opportunities. They're always going to get a break. And they, they took their chance and fair play to them. You know, we've, we've been sucker punched out of a competition that we should have been looking to win. Um, and that, I think that's quite disappointing. We, we could have won that game very, very easily by attacking a, a team who looks susceptible to movement, who's susceptible to a, a, aggressive football. But that's a very poor performance from a, a team of very expensive footballers. We spent a lot of money on people like Lewis Potter, on Damsgaard, don't forget. They did very little tonight. Uh, we got the early goal. We took our foot off the gas, played pretty little football uh, with no, no end product at all. Uh, hardly had any shots in the end at all, did we? And, uh, you know, they, they get one back well taken goal then we, we decide that no we're going to start playing them but once it's 1-1 they've got six at the back literally had six at the back in a line and uh, you know in three in front of that and we couldn't break them down you know we, we tried in the last 15 minutes but we got nothing out of that you know I'm, I'm not surprised they won in the end I must admit that's got to be one of the worst games I've ever seen Brentford play and I'm not I'm not even just saying it the, the, the way we just strolled around on the pitch like we thought we was we thought we was gonna win it like six or seven nil. When you when you're playing in the cup, you got to go against these teams and you got to give it a bit of bit of gumption, a bit of fight. There was nothing in Brentford, nothing. They were just strolling around. It was almost like a glorified friendly to them. That's not Brentford. We you know we can play better than that. And it, it, I just think it was disrespectful. I really did. I just thought. At the end of the day, Gillingham will come down there. This is a day out for them. They're going to give it everything they can. And, and Brentford looked at it, 
I thought, oh, we're just going to knock it, knock the ball around for 80, 90 minutes and we're going to pick this team off. And it doesn't work like that. It's cut, cut football and anything can happen. So there you go, fans after the Forest game and after the Gillingham game. And coming back, talking about that Gillingham game. Well, it sounds like you can't think of anything to say about it, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's kind of like, you know, listen, right, OK, let's, let's go. I want to go old school here, you know. Can I, am I allowed to go old school? I think I'm allowed to go old school, seeing as Gillingham is an old school match. We used to play Gillingham every single year pretty much as far as I've ever known Brentford. You know, third division game, we'd be 16th, they'd be 17th in the third division. It'd be horrible, rainy, muddy. They'll bring their fans down. They'll be going, giving it loads of, yeah, Gillingham, we go to Gillingham, we'd be like, you know, there'll be all sorts of malarkey going on, as they can say. You know, we began it year on year and it just became, it just became Groundhog Day going to Gillingham. I remember that time, actually, I remember that time when we went to, do you remember when we went to Gillingham? We went to that pub. It's really hard to find a pub. We went with my mate Clive Johns, DJ Clive Johns as well, and he's a Gillingham fan. And then we went to the pub, they had no food. So they allowed us to order a curry in to the pub, which was kind of old school days in those days because it was before the days of Deliveroo and everything like that. So for us to have actually got a curry sort of ordered in, I think we had got it taxied around to the pub. We just thought that was absolutely brilliant. Do you remember that, Lane? <laughs> yeah, it, it, I do. And I, I do remember all the all the trips out there. I never really enjoyed... It wasn't a great place to go. Um, there was the pub... The pub remember the rickety stand? Yeah, well, it was It was just like Fulham stand, really. At least Fulham have dressed theirs up. Um, they've got cladding on theirs. I mean, it's, it's just a scaffolding stand, isn't it? And... Uh, there's his raw, raw scaffolding. Yeah, it's, it's awful. Um, I remember the, the last time we go there, didn't um, Farad Alvuri score for us to, to, to either to equalise or or was a winner? Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, we don't certainly don't miss those trips, Bill. It was a horrible, horrible place to go out in out in Medway. One of our very rare uh, away trips. And the fact is, again, if you go to the away games, you can see we're, we're veering away from actually talking about the match itself. You know what I'm saying? But it's uh, one of those away games because, like, it's funny because you know I don't know if you sort of sit. You're almost like a, a station geek, so we we'll sit down and I watch BBC News. And a person will come up from a station and they wouldn't go, oh, that's King's Cross. Oh, that's Manchester. Oh, that's, you know, that's Marleybone. And you could spot the station straight away by like a little bit of brickwork or something like that because we've, we've hung around in so many of those stations. But there's one of them that we used to hardly ever go to, which was Victoria. How many times did we go to a Victoria station for an away game? It's very, very rare. Like, you know, Houston was the number one. Every time it's Houston and then it was King's Cross, you know, Paddington, not so many, you know, Bristol and Reading maybe going out from Paddington, you know, and if you went West Country down to, to Exeter and stuff like that, Exeter, but, you know, didn't do that. But Victoria, hardly ever, but Gillingham was the Victoria Station one. So, you know, you, you, it was almost like quite special when you went down to Gillingham. I'm, I'm trying to make it sound good now, aren't I? You're failing. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's still about with Tuesday night. <laughs> yeah. It's just yeah. Like you're, tra- you're tra- back in um, your train spot days. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, going back to Tuesday, Tuesday was, it was like watching a training a training game. Um, and, you know, for, I know we're going to say we were, we were not, we, you know, we're going to catalogue our thoughts in a minute. Um, but what if we're being realistic, you know, we were completely dominant. We we were really solid at the back throughout the game, apart from one moment. Um, we were biting in midfield. I thought the players um, they, they 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 were eager and hungry to win the ball back. I can't I couldn't fault that. Um, what I could fault and uh, what is something that I, I think we're probably all going to agree on is that just 
as soon as it actually came to any of our players being brave and taking the player on or trying to do something beyond just passing the square ball back and hoping someone else was going to do it. Um, Did you say square ball? Square ball. Square ball. Uh, it, was just, yeah. it was just like watching paint dry. It, was a, it became boring. You know, the, the, the brilliant start to the game... Great ball from Raya. Damsgaard uh, did excellently to control it, and he saw Ivan lurking at the back stick. Beautiful ball across, uh, and, and, a, and a perfect finish. One nil up within five minutes. It, it, it needs to be then put to bed. You need to then score a second or score a third. Then what we were all expecting was that Thomas Frank was going to make wholesale changes and all the kids were going to come on in the second half. The game was won. I mean, that's not being disrespectful to Gillingham. That's just being, you know, if you look at our, our team versus their team, if you look at our season versus their season, that should have been what happened and I know cup football isn't like that and we were we've come up against a well-organized you know banks of defenders but we had the players players that were going to the world cup that should have been able to unpick that and it was just it was just boring in the end wasn't it Al? Oh it was it was like like you say it was a lot like watching paint dry I mean (laughs) The thing that really bugs me, and I don't know if this is what it is, but it, it almost felt like I completely agree. You get the first goal, get another couple, put the game to bed, be done with it, go for the jugular. And we did it. It was like we got 1-0 up and then we just thought, oh, we this lot, we could just knock it around for 85 minutes and, you know, that'll be it. And it, it was it was almost the arrogance of treating it like some sort of training ground exercise. And in some ways, we got our just desserts. I think we... You know, we should have put the game to bed. I think there was a lot of, uh, I think there was a slight arrogance amongst the players that they could just play the ball around and control the game. And, you know, you always leave yourself open at 1 0 to, to something like that happening. And as long as it was 1 0, Gillingham had hope that they could get back into it and, you know, and take it to penalties and, and fair play to them. I think they deserved it. They, they never gave up. They kept chasing the ball. They, you know, but it's just, oh, it's. It was awful. It was boring. I had to get up at five thirty the next day. It's just like I would have been better going to bed early. Yeah, just let's going to do a traditional stats thing as well. You know, Brentford had um, how many how many shots do you think the bees had? Not that many, actually. Well, I think we had a fair amount. No, no, I don't, how many? Upset. Number. Just give us a number. Eight. Six. Sixteen. Did we? Sixteen. Blimey. Sixteen shots. Brentford and Gillingham had how many? Three. One. One. How many of us were on target, Bill? We had nine from open play and one, they had one. They had, we had seven sex pieces and zero. Uh, they had zero. Um, I, I'm, I'm on target. I'll have to go to another stat site, actually, to find out how many were on target for that one. But let's just presume none. Mm. <laughs> actually, no, there's a few that was on target. But, they were, you know, and, and, and the total shots, you know, I mean, Ivan Tony, then Ethan Pinnock, then Salmon Goddard, then Mikael Damsgaard, then Mads Roslev were the sort of the top five shot takers in the whole match like you know what I'm saying it's like Gillingham like didn't even feature on that one and you know listen we've seen it and you know for Gillingham fans to be fair they came down two and a half thousand of them you know <laughs> it was their big day out which is quite bizarre considering that we were like even pegging with them for years and years and they used to call we used to call them Gillingford because they used to steal all our players like you know um you know back in the day just all our players used to go to Gillingham which was which was quite bizarre you know but all of a sudden they've come down here because it's a big day out in London 
and uh, and 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 they've 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 had a laugh. They were singing, you know, every time they they got the ball, they were going, "We've got the ball," because they they had the ball so few. I mean, I think I logged about seventy two percent possession in the first half at one stage because we literally just had the ball the whole time. And then when they lost the ball, they go, oh, "We've lost the ball," and we won the ball. It was like what rubbish song. Mm. But for them, they're in the moment. They're having a laugh, like you know, they're, they they expected to get battered. And I I remember those days as a Brentford fan where you go to remember you'd go to Norwich and you would spend all your time. You go out, you take your time off work you go down there and you know you're probably going to get beaten but you just have that little flicker that something might go right for you and nine times out of ten it doesn't but then you have that one that it does and it's just absolutely joyous and for them it's exactly what happened for them you know they went behind they got a very late goal and they had Damsgaard hit the bar at the end they took some very good penalties and they went home and probably got very drunk in the Gillingham last night. But going back to what Ali said, you know, you know, the word arrogant I've heard a couple of times, um, and I kind of know where you're coming from with that. Um, I'm I'm looking through the team, and I'm trying to work out, thinking back, you know, who who was guilty of that? Who, 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 which of our players did we expect more? I mean, obviously, obviously the defenders, they're there to defend um, and bring the ball out. So, I mean, you can't, you can't really, you can't really moan, moan about them too much. I thought Frank and Yeka was, was pretty good. I think he, mm. he, he was really hungry. He was running around and winning the ball back. He was a, a real general there. Um, you know, I didn't expect to see Rico play from the start, but he looked, he looked like he was making runs and just not being picked out. He looked frustrated a lot. And, you know, I, I, I know that, um, um, Matty Jensen came on se- second half, but you know, and Norgard, he had a good first half, right? I don't, I don't yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, it's not, there's nothing there. Ivan Tony, he took his goal early. He's he was there just to be teed up. He's not there to come back and and make any chances. Tony had six, yeah, six shots. Yeah, Mikhail Damsgaard, he teed up. You know, had an assist early on. I thought he played okay. And I and I'll and I'll be I maybe I'm being harsh here. I've got a lot of I've got a lot of problems with um, King Lewis Potter at the moment. He he looked bang average for su- for someone who we spent a huge amount of money on. He did not he did not look like he was interested in beating his second division counterpart once, um, and he just literally got the ball, did a couple of like shapes with his legs, and he passed the ball backwards. And he did that all night, and he had. He had 90 minutes. He had, and I, I, I was so disappointed in him. Um, and you know, on the other flank, Mads Rosleff, mm, it's you know, he's not a wing back, really, is he? Um, no. You know, let's be honest with this. So, I mean, is it, is it, was it Godos? I, 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 you know, apart, I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm being kind of like picking through that team, who really did let us down? And I, I, I say, and I might be being harsh. Number 23 is your man. And twenty three is the KLP. Yeah, I, I think I think Lewis Potter was really disappointed on Tuesday night. I completely agree, um, and he's actually played much better in Premier League games than he did on Tuesday night. He just didn't look interested. Uh, I I don't know I don't, I don't know what it was, but it's but then at the same time, the whole team in many ways let us down. You know, it's 
it's a game we should be winning and we should be winning comfortably. And it, they're just, I don't know, I, I, don't, I know you think you saw desire there. I didn't see much desire from any of the players, if I'm well, honest. We didn't hear free from desire, I could tell you that. No, we didn't. And I was really surprised. You say surprised that Rika played. I was really surprised that Raya played. I was expecting Cox because he's not going to get another chance because the next time the F, when the FA Cup comes around or if we'd stayed in this, the next round of this comes around, Shahoska's probably going to be back and he'll play. So why not give him that opportunity? I just... You know, it's not like he would have had much to do. Um, uh, saved the penalty, you could have well, done. He might have saved the penalty because Raya's, Raya's, Raya's record at penalty saving is not great. Um, for all the other great things that Raya does, penalties is not his forte. Um, he looked very I, I small, did find that really he? surprising. He did look very small for the penalty shooter. Exactly that, Laney. Exactly that. Um, I, 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 you know, yes, Lewis Potter was the the standout in a bad way, um, but. You know, I think that you have to look at the team as a whole. It, it, it's a really disappointing result, and I think we lacked energy, we lacked purpose. Delighted to see Norgard play. I think Norgard had a good 45 minutes. It's really refreshing to have him back there because you forget he receives the ball with his back to goal and he turns and plays it forward. And, uh, you know, Vitali doesn't generally do that when he's playing that role, and I think, I think we've really missed that. I think when Jensen came on, we, re- we you noticed how much creativity we had lacked until that point because it did make a massive difference. I think we created a lot of chances in that last 10 minutes. Um, but, oh, it was just... Oh, I, I, I almost felt walking away that on Tuesday night, we were that team that we used to hate when we were in League One, the big, you know, a big, arrogant Premier League team. And it just I, it left a sour taste in my mouth. Whether or not that's just my perception... May well all be wrong from what you've said, Laney. Well, no, I think, I think my partially... feeling was that, and I thought it left quite a sour taste in my mouth. And I think, yeah, I, 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 I felt Gillingham deserved more respect from our players. I don't disagree overall, but you know, when, what, you know, it's something I came away thinking. That, yeah, we had, we had, it, it was, yeah. it was something that we used to see other other teams do. Um, yeah. and, you know, just not perform, at, you know, at, in cup ties against you know us. Um, but you know, when you go through the team, you know, I'm, I'm trying to pick out who, who it actually who, who was culpable for that. I, it, mm. it, you know, it, it was it was just that lack of creativity, that that kind of that real quality last ball, um, and we, we we seem to be, be not. Not firing, um, you know, at, at, our, at our best. It's we all of our players need need to crank it up two or three gears. I, I, I'd say, and it's very few. I mean, there there are exceptions, obviously. I mean, you know, Ben Me and Rico Henry and Raya, and you know, there's 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 probably five or six, you know, five consistently who who are, who are fine, but it's the ones around the periphery, like you know, we've said about Wisa, um, we've said about about KLP. We we didn't think Wisa deserved to start. In, in, uh, at Forest because you know he, he, we didn't feel he was a, a 90 minute player he was an impact sub and you know in, in, in KLP was the one we were batting our hopes on and then when he gets a start he's had two starts now he had one at Forest and he was pulled off after 60 minutes um, and he got 90 minutes against Gillingham and I, I, I didn't think often he looked he looked the dangerous player that we spent the best part of 20 mil on I, don't, I didn't think he was bad at Forest, actually. I thought he was all right against Forest. I think he was, be- he was certainly better against Forest than he was on Tuesday night. Well, we said he, we said we were awful in the first half, so and he was pulled off after 60 minutes. Yeah, but he I still think he was better. He did more. Yeah. I think he did more, even given that. I think he did more on Saturday than he did on Tuesday night. Okay, I'm not going to. I'm not going to bully him. I'm not going to gang up on him. It's just an observation. I mean, it's not. It's you not. Know. It's not something that I'm going to be. You know, it, 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 that's it. Is the moulds cast and you know, like some people are with with Jensen. You know, it, it, 
he needs to he needs to pick it up. That's it's a sure. valid observation, Lane. It's a perfectly valid observation. Yeah. I agree. Yeah, and 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 and, and something I'm going to come to as well because um, there's you know there's a lot of talk about our team and how they're performing, but then there's also been a lot of talk about Thomas Frank over the last few months. We always get this when we when we get a, a series of bad results. And there's a bit of talk going around sort of saying, you know, Thomas Frank, has he taken us as far as he's gone? There's a little bit of a sort of kind of Frank out vibe going on as well. There's that one as well. And also there's the, you know, there's the thing um, to do with, you know, um, uh, 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 Damsgaard. So we'll talk about Thomas Frank and Damsgaard in a minute now. But let's just talk about Thomas Frank. And uh, but, you know, there's some people that are thinking Thomas Frank, you know, he's taken as far as we can go. Have our directors of football, you know, fluffed it because they shouldn't have been to bring in a fast winger and they didn't do it at the time. And we know that we really needed it. And this is a real problem now. They've really let us down, you know, and, and they're making the wrong signings. Damsgaard's rubbish. So, look, you know, let, let, sack them all. You know, so there seems to be this sort of panic thing going on. Um, but there's, the other argument is that do we also need to have a, a critical voice out there saying, actually... Let's, let's hold you to account and, and tell us, look, because we're thinking actually we've, we have given you a chance over a, a, over a period of time and maybe it hasn't got right um, and, and, and things haven't gone right. And we want to actually find, you know, ask the question, have you made a mistake or have you done the wrong things or have you taken us far? Ali, do you think this, these are fair points? Uh, I, I think the, the Thomas Frank has taken as far as he, as, as, far as he can is, is nonsense, uh, I have to say. I... I, um, I I think people need to appreciate that he is learning as a coach and learning the Premier League along with the players and along with us. And that is an ongoing um, upward curve for him. And maybe it needs to be a little bit of a steeper learning curve than it is currently. Um, but I don't think, that said, I don't think he is beyond criticism. Um, uh, there, are, there are some things that he could be criticised for. And I do wish on, I, I think he should have come out on Tuesday night and, you know, say, we weren't good enough, we didn't do this, we didn't do that. You know, it, it's just... I know he doesn't want to call his players out in public, but sometimes you just have to say, that's not good enough. And I, I do sometimes feel that maybe... I'm sure that there probably is, but you do sometimes say, well, is there a voice in the club that is saying to him, look, Thomas, this isn't working, maybe we should try this? And there's an argument that a lot of the tinkering that's going on is a result of that. Um, but, you know, nobody is untouchable and he's not untouchable and he shouldn't be untouchable and I'm sure he doesn't think he's untouchable, the club doesn't think he's untouchable. But he... To say that he's taken it as far as he could go, I, I personally think it's bonkers. nonsense. I think he'll take, us, he'll take us a lot further. Yeah, me too. And, you know, ongoing progression doesn't always mean constantly going in an upward direction. Do you know what I mean? You look at Brighton, for example, who struggled and struggled and struggled in the Premier League. I think they had they struggled and struggled and struggled in the Premier League. And it's only in the, really in the last season or two that they've comfortably established themselves as, as a, as a, a mid-to-upper-table mid side. So, you know, and Graham Potter, very similar in his experience of the Premier League and his, his coaching experience. And it takes time. It takes time. And, it, you know... The progression might mean, the progression might mean that we have to go down and come back up. Oi. And, you know, <laughs> we can't expect that we're suddenly going to, because we finished whatever we for 13th last year, we have to finish 9th or 10th this year. That's not how it works. Look, you know, look. still staying in the Premier League and even just staying in the Premier League is a massive achievement for our club. 
and is a maths achievement. Thomas, I think we have to ultimately have to back him. Doesn't mean he's above criticism. I think he's got some things wrong this season. But, oh, God, to talk about, you know, giving him a boot is just, well, it's, it's absurd. In my it's, it's, cra it's crazy. Um, you know, and look, you know, um, I, I agree. I, I felt, you know, there could have been a bit more honesty in his post-match um, post chat. But just because he doesn't say it to the outside world or, or the newspapers, it doesn't mean he doesn't say it to his players. Um, when, when he goes back into the changing room on the training pitch or when they sit down and they go through the, the, the video together, which I know they do, um, he's going he's gonna to pause it, point to the player and say, why, why didn't you take him on? Why didn't you do this? Why did, why, you know, that, that's the right place to, 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 to confront his, his players and, and, ex and tell them the standards are way higher than you know, uh, the output in the previous game. Um, any, any talk of, of uh, or an exaggeration? Yeah, okay. We, we, we conceded a late goal against Forest, um, and we went out on penalties to Gillingham. Not not brilliant, but certainly nowhere near like chucking chucking you know your toys out of the pram. Um, you know, we, we've got a we've got a real tough game to come up against Man City. Let's be honest, we're probably you know we're probably going to come away with that with zero points. Um, we can still come away with it with a creditable performance, which we did up there last year. Let's not forget that. Um, but then we've got a really nice break, um, and then we can come back and we can approach it like it's the start of a new season. I think we need that. I think I said that at the beginning of the season. I think this this is this season actually it's 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 weird. Um, the having having a uh, an international tournament right bang in the middle is is just odd, and I don't want to see it repeated. But we've got to take positives from that as a club, and we will. I think you know we we start seasons and we started the first two seasons at this level very well, very solidly, um, and that's what I'm hoping for again when we come back that we can look at it as a new season. Our players will be rested. We do look jaded. We did exactly the same this time last year. We had an awful first half against Forest Green Rovers where all our fringe players looked awful. I know Forest Green Rovers were better than, than Gillingham. Um, and then we had a uh, really bad game away at, um, at Burnley. Then we had a really, really bad um, away game at, uh, sorry, my, my memory goes, um, but there was, oh, sorry, Southampton. The, no, Southampton, and we lost at home to Norwich. This was exactly the same time as all that was happening, and it looked awful. And, you know, so it's a good time to press the pause button, go away. And we, could, we didn't have that luxury last year. We couldn't have a rest. We couldn't refocus. We can do that now. And everything is going to be all right. And we're going to come back. And, you know, there's, we're still picking up wins. You know, they're not, they don't come around frequently. But, you know, we've known. This is, if you're not learning from being in the top flight, they don't come around that regularly for teams right. like just us. Quickly, just another quick point I just want to talk on about because it's also been talked about. And I think that, especially, as we're going on an international break soon as well we need to talk about this person is Damsgaard now Damsgaard we signed in with high expectations scored a brilliant goal against England in the European um, Euros um, um, semi-final at Wembley as well and he came with high expectations yes he's been injured and you know he's come back from injury and he has got to spend a lot of time building himself up but again there's a lot of people going ah Damsgaard is rubbish yeah, I sat the directors of football they don't know what they're doing and all this kind of stuff and you know so that, 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 there's a little bit of kind of a little bit of heat on Damsgaard which you know I mean I think he's going to he's going to the World Cup yeah. as well you know so I mean he's been chosen for Denmark who's uh, what, what top 10 side in, in the world so you know he must be a, they must think that he's a half decent player as well so but, but Ali I mean you're not you're not happy with the flack that the Damsgaard is getting are you I, I think it I think 
well, several, I have two or three points here. And first of all, people have very, very short memories. Um, I think everybody looked at Denmark when Ericsson had his cardiac arrest in the Euros and went, oh, well, that's their tournament finished. And then this kid that nobody had heard of came along and reignited everything. It was brilliant, scored a few, a couple of wonder goals, including one against England. Um, great player. We're all looking at him going, oh, can we buy him? Can we buy him? And he went off to Sampdoria. He's had, oh, I think it's juvenile arthritis, which is a really difficult condition to, marry, to uh, manage. He's been out for the best part of a year. And he, he's never played in the Premier League. So he's not like Ben Mee, Christian Eriksen, coming in with loads of Premier League experience. Um, he obviously needs to build up his strength and it's all he's expected. There are people expecting him to come in and bang, he's just going to start playing, be brilliant, be the player he was in Euro 2020 when he's been out for a year, when he's not played in England full stop, never mind in the Premier League. At the same time, we have Josh De Silva, who has also been out for a very long time with, with a career-threatening injury. And I love Josh to bits, but... You know, he's come back this season and with the exception of the goal against Leicester, I think his performances have been fairly average. Uh, and he doesn't see they don't seem to be improving at the moment. And more than happy to give that time. But he is almost getting a free pass on that while people are hammering Damsgaard. And it's Damsgaard is a really good player, a very good player. He is a quality international player who needs time to get used to English football, needs time to get his strength up, needs time to come in and come back from a serious injury, well, well, a serious health condition. And it's not going to happen overnight. And I think people have unrealistic expectations. The problem is not Damsgaard. The problem is we are in the Premier League and it's much harder to give these players time to get up to speed because we need them to be up to speed almost straight away. And that is a part of the problem. Um, but yeah, I, I just think again, I find it I find it absurd that people are going. Oh well, you know, he's what he started one played one ninety minutes. Um, I think against he started against Bournemouth, didn't he? And in an awful game, he was probably our best player. The assist on Tuesday night for the goal, you know, that was a really good assist. So it's there, and there was, he was trying stuff on Tuesday night, and you could see what he was trying to do, and it will start coming off soon. Um, he needs a game time. I hope he goes to the World Cup. I hope he has a fantastic World Cup. He gets plenty of uh, minutes, uh, confidence, uh, you know, get, plays himself into form and hopefully comes back and starts ripping up the Premier League a bit. Most definitely. I mean, talking about game time, talking about time, but we've got to give JB a bit of time because JB likes a bit of facts, a bit of funk. We're going to go over to JB and we're going to hear what facts and funk he's got. Jonathan Birchall back again. On Tuesday, we left the League Cup after the penalty shootout. In fact, it was the 28th time one of our matches in various competitions has been settled in this fashion since the first 32 years ago. We had won 17 of the previous 27, with 179 spot kicks hitting the back of the net. Before Gillingham won 6-5, we'd never been involved in a shootout with 11 successive scoring kicks, and they're the only side who've ever scored six successful spot kicks against us. Back to Saturday and it was our first top flight visit to Nottingham Forest and ended with our first draw there since 1935. 
It was our seventh draw of the season in our 14 games. It equals the highest amount we've ever had previously at this stage of the season, five times before, in our league history. Even without Ivan, it was Brian's turn to be successful from the penalty spot during game time. We've now scored 10 out of 10 in the Premier League. We have to go back to the game at Griffin Park, when we beat Millwall 3-2 in October 2019, that we last failed to convert a penalty, when Ollie Watkins' effort was saved. Since then, we've scored all 30 that have been awarded in competitive matches. Other scorers in that run are Said Benarama, Joshua Silva and Marcus Vorce. Quite a contrast from the previous 30 penalties, where we failed with 13 and scored only 17. So JB, the penalty facts and funk. And uh, we are very, very good at penalties, it has to be said. We go back to uh, Ivan at home. Just bring, him, just bring him to the World Cup for his penalties. They should have just done that. I've said that, you know. You know, lots of draws as well. We've had somebody else said that to me as well. I think it's the Liverpool um, podcast I was on earlier today. They said, you seem to be drawing a lot of games. And I said, well, you know, mate, last season we'd be losing those games. So, like, I'm very happy about that. So, listen, glass half full. Let's be positive about this. We've got one more game, Manchester City. We're not expected to get anything out of that. So uh, you nest never know what may happen. But as we're talking about Manchester City, we're going to all go off, have a wee little snifter. We're going to come back and we're going to talk Man City. So Man City are coming to... Well, they're not coming anywhere. They're coming out of their houses and they're coming to their ground. And we're going up there very early on a Saturday morning and we're going to play Manchester City and we're going to do what we do as Brentford and see if we can upset the apple cart against Manchester City. We're not going to talk about Man City for the moment now because we're going to go over to somebody who knows a lot about Man City, David from Blue Moon Podcast. He's going to give us his lowdown on Man City. Hello there, this is David Mooney from the Blue Moon Podcast, obviously about Manchester City. Um, We do podcasts every Friday, they're out uh, kind of usually Thursday night, Friday morning, that sort of time. Um, and uh, yeah, if you want to want to get a fix of, uh, it's usually usually City nostalgia alongside uh, how well City are doing at the moment, um, then, then we cover all of that. In fact, uh, coming up... Um, uh, just before the World Cup, I'm not exactly sure when it's going to be, uh, but we're, we're taking a quick look at uh, City's record on uh, old former football grounds, and uh, obviously Griffin Park is one of those that uh, that pops up. We didn't have a lot of uh, detail to go into for uh, for City's final visit to uh, to Griffin Park, so there's not a lot in there. Um, sadly, we've not spoke to uh, to many of the City people connected to uh, to that game. Um, but yeah, we've, we've, uh, we're doing a bit on, uh, on on former football grounds, demolished grounds, um, as uh, as this season is. At the end of this season, City will have been at the Etihad for uh, 20 years after leaving Main Road in 2002. Um, but enough about that. Let's uh, let's let's talk about City this season and uh, and, and more recently. Um, Last season, then uh, City obviously going in, going into this season as defending champions. Uh, you can't not be unhappy with uh, with how the season went. I think. Um, winning it the way that we did on the final day, um, I, I didn't think QPR in in 2012 would be replicated or bettered or anything like that. Um, and then tell that to to the you know 30 odd year old who was sat in the Etihad watching Aston Villa with a two 0 lead with with 20 minutes to go, thinking that City had mucked it up. Um, they turned it round. It was brilliant, um, and, and and yeah, we couldn't really ask for anything more. I think uh, there is there is always um, kind of the the spectre of, of other tournaments hanging over City. They've obviously they've won four of the last five Premier League titles, um, 
but people people ask you know about the Champions League. They ask about uh, about City's performance in Europe, and again they went out to, to Real Madrid last season. I was a little bit disappointed in the way that they went out, but not quite that they did go out. Um, I think I think City fans, I'm not going to say we'll take or leave the Champions League because that's very entitled. Um, but I, what I would say is I think there's there's a good portion of City fans who would much rather see City have success domestically and then try and win the Champions League rather than the other way around. And I kind of agree. That's that's the page that I'm on as well. Um, Mainly because the the question always comes, well, is this the season that you will focus on the Champions League? And I, I don't really think you can focus on the Champions League. Um, the Champions League doesn't really, for a club that are in City's position these days, with the draws that they get in the group stage, they're more than likely to get out of the group. So the Champions League doesn't then become a priority until you get to February. And by February, you know whether you're in a title race or not. You know whether you've got a chance of winning the Premier League title by that stage. And then it becomes about about spinning plates. So that's how I think um, that's how I think City should uh, should go into um, this and every season. And that's that's the position they're in this season. They're doing they're doing pretty well. They're in uh, they're obviously in in second place uh, just behind Arsenal. And uh, and they're probably right where. I'm not going to say where they want to be. They'd obviously want to be top of the table, but I mean they can't really grumble going into the World Cup, can they? Um, so that all kind of comes brings us round to, to Guardiola as well, because as has been quite widely documented, this is as it stands Guardiola's final season at City. Um, his contract runs out in the summer, and uh, the, we're expected to have a decision one way or the other whether he's going to stay or whether he's going to leave. Um, either during the World Cup or just after the World Cup, I think he's going to sit down with uh, the hierarchy at the club and, uh, and kind of thrash it all out in the in the coming weeks. Um, I'm not going to lie, I am I I am terrified of what happens after Guardiola leaves. Um, there's there's been. There's been a lot of discourse this season, especially from uh, after what Jurgen Klopp said um, about being unable to compete with City. And I think part of the problem that teams have competing with City, and I'm not talking um, about kind of even mid-table Premier League teams or even top six Premier League teams, because there, there is a, a, a clear hierarchy in the league about about where you are likely to finish in, in any given season. The, the, the fairy tale... I mean, it, it just doesn't happen anymore. Um, and it, it took City kind of effectively unlimited riches in the first few years of the, of the Sheikh Mansour ownership to be able to break into the uh, into the elite. You don't get that without that sort of financial backing. So I'm not expecting that, that fans of other clubs will, will kind of be thinking, oh, poor old City or, or, or that sort of thing. Um, but the, the truth is there are some clubs who can compete with City and it doesn't... You get into the kind of the, the finances of City and, and and how much money is is was initially pumped into the club. They don't do that anymore. City do walk away from transfer deals based on on being able to afford it or or how much they're willing to pay is probably a better a better expectation. They walked away from Maguire, for instance. They walked away from Fred and Alexis Sanchez. You know, they they, they wouldn't pay the money that uh, that those clubs are asking. I mean, this summer they they walked away from Kukurea as well, and, and and have left themselves in a position where they've got you know two fit senior fullbacks when both Walker and Cancelo are available. So they're not they're not adverse to walking away from all this. Anyway, that brings us back round to to what Klopp was saying about being able to compete with uh, with City. Um, and there are there are some clubs that can do it, and there are some clubs that that just have 
they can compete with City on on a one-off game, and you know you put in a perfect performance and you get the points. That's not what what Klopp was hinting at. It was it was getting at being able to compete regularly with City, you know, season on season at the top of the table. And I mean, the idea that Liverpool haven't done that, I don't think is is. I think it's. I just don't think it's true. Um, they've won a couple of Champions Leagues in the in the last couple of years where um, they've been competing with City. You know, they've, they've they've finished a point behind City in a couple of seasons and won a title in that time as well. You know, in in both of those seasons where they were where they were really close behind City, you know, it, it, all it takes is a deflection or something like that in in one of City's games, and suddenly Liverpool were champions instead. So I would call that competing to begin with. But again, that's uh, that's that, that that's by the by. Um, because I think that the the biggest driving factor in all of that is Guardiola. I think City's I think City's average is so much higher under him than where it would be with anybody else. And I don't think there's anybody in world football who can who can get out of this team what Guardiola gets out of them. So if he leaves this summer, I, I just don't think it gets better. I think it's I, I think that the standard is always going to drop, and and then you have to you have to kind of look at. Um, Look, look at what's going to come next, and I, I just don't believe it's, it's, it's. I don't think City are going to hit the heights. I think we are, we are currently living through what will be Manchester City's greatest all-time team and situation, um, and I think it's purely down to to, to, to Pep Guardiola. Um, so again, that brings us to this season. I, I'm, I'm very happy with how how things are going, how things have started. Um, I thought the performance against Fulham last weekend was. Possibly one of the best, if not the best, that City have put in under Guardiola, having had a man sent off and uh, and the way they controlled the game and and, and really kind of put Fulham to the sword. Um, that said, there's been a couple of moments this season where you go, you know, couldn't you have, uh, have approached this game better? Again, I'm thinking of Anfield, uh, Liverpool. It felt like we're on the ropes going into that game, and City, I think, paid them too much respect and they 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 changed too much about the way they play and, and handed the initiative in that game to Liverpool. Liverpool went on to win it. I think, you know, the copybook hasn't particularly been blotted this season, but there's there's kind of like that is one of a few minor dots that 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 are um, that are there. I think Arsenal are a really really good side, and they they do present problems for City this season. I'll be interested to see how the World Cup affects both City and Arsenal, um, because City have got a lot of players going. Um, Arsenal will have a fair number of players going, and then it's it's all about who can recover in in the second half of the season. Um, and I think you know City would be quite happy that they've got Arsenal to play twice because it, it means that everything is, is still in City's hands and and um, kind of it allows them to put the pressure on Arsenal. But I'm not underestimating them. I think they're uh, I think they're in a really good spot this season. And having seen what Arteta did at City as as assistant, you know it really doesn't surprise me that he's getting getting good things out of uh, out of that Arsenal squad. Um, new players this season. Um, I think one of the reasons why Guardiola might stick around is is the transfer window that City had last summer. Um, obviously, they brought in Harland, and he was he was the big headline. Um, but weirdly, I think it was I think it was the size of the refresh. You know, they they let Raheem Sterling go, they let Gabriel Jesus go, they let Alexander Zinchenko go. Um, you know, most most City fans would have been happy if if you know one, two, or three of those players had stayed, and and um, were, City would just kind of add in here and there. So there was a, a real big reset, and I think that kind of refresh has should help Guardiola make his decision. Haaland is is the one that that everybody talks about because he's he's just this cyborg that seems to score goals. Um, like if you if you ask how do you stop him, uh, my my answer is I, I just I don't really know. Um, I think you've got to stop the service into him, and 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 that's the kind of the only way you can do it. 
he's not been he's had games where he's not been absolutely on fire um again i think of anfield where where he struggled um he only, the, the big thing was made of him only having i think seven touches of the ball against bournemouth but you know he got an assist with one of them so you know you, you can't really grumble um he's he's just a freak and uh, and it's really exciting in watching him uh, watching him play um the the weird thing with the way the the, the, the transfer window went is i don't think I, I i wondered if city had swapped a striker problem that they had last season in having to play the false nine with a defender problem this season in uh, that they they have two fullbacks they've got walker and, and cancelo they have got gomez who is he's, he's a little bit of a of a developmental player so i don't think he's really expected to play that much um but they've got. But as, as soon as Walker got injured, they had one fit senior fullback, and they've had to they've had to move players around. John Stones has done all right there. Uh, Manuel Akanji, a new signing again, has, has done all right there. Uh, Nathan Ake is shifting out to, to left back a little bit, so that Cancelo can play on the right. So that they they're getting through it, and I'm not expecting the violins to come out for for um, from other other teams and other teams fans about about how hard City have it at, at defence. Um, I, I do think Guardiola has found a very good solution in the way that he plays and the way that he gets his, his full-backs to tuck inside because it means he can play three centre-backs and kind of switch to a back three when, when City have possession. Um, so it's it's it, it's looking good and I think the shape of the squad is is maybe looks a little bit unbalanced but it's actually not as unbalanced as, uh, as it looks. Um, in terms of, of players who are uh, underrated from the outside... Um, I, again, it's defenders. I've got a you know everyone looks at, at Phil Foden, everyone looks at, at uh, Erling Haaland as as players that are catching the eye. You know Bernardo Silva catching the eye, John Stones is catching the eye. John Stones has been fantastic for City this season. Um, Manuel Akanji, new signing, has been fantastic. They they know when to release the ball. They're not they're happy to have it under pressure, and they they know what positions to take up. Um, so I think uh, I, I think they're doing really well. So. Are City going to win the title this season? That's the that's the million dollar question. I think I'm I'm confident in backing City that they will. It wouldn't surprise me if Arsenal pipped them to it. I think it's a really really weird season with the World Cup in the middle of it. Um, but I'm I'm confident City can 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 go on and uh, and do it. I think Arsenal will also be in the top four. The rest of the top four is is really up for grabs though. I think Newcastle might make it. You know, I think I think they've they've shown some really impressive uh, stuff under Eddie, under Eddie Howe. Um, and I think they, I think they might make it. As for the, the 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 other spot in the top four, I I just have no idea whether Liverpool can catch up, whether United will be good enough, um, whether Chelsea will, will will you know make too many mistakes to claim it, whether Spurs are are, are going to kind of turn their their poor form around. It's it, it really will be interesting. Um, so I've I, you know I've I've got absolutely no idea. I think the bottom three is is. Again, difficult to predict, but maybe maybe slightly easier. Um, I think Nottingham Forest are in trouble. I think Wolves are, are, are really, really in trouble. Um, I've got a friend of mine who who supports Wolves and has been burying his head in the sand about how how their season's going. Um, I, I worry for them. I don't know if they can. I always say that teams that go down let in too many goals, and um, I, I that might be what saves Wolves. They might they might be able. They they tend to be able to keep. Uh, keep the defence quite tight so if they can keep enough clean sheets it, uh, it might keep them up I thought Leicester were a goner up until a few weeks ago um, I thought Aston Villa were uh, were in trouble um, and then they sat Gerrard and and you know things seem to be going okay so um, so it'll be, it will be interesting to see um, 
City Brentford then last two last season uh, City City sneaked them both if I remember right I don't I don't really remember the game at the Etihad all I can remember is that I was in a lot of pain uh, because I I uh, hurt my arm at football and I was wearing a splint so I, it doesn't really help you much for this um, but it's uh, but but I, I remember City won the game but I remember it wasn't an easy win. Um, and it was it was certainly the same for the away game where Phil Foden scored, um, and I think that was that was possibly City's only real chance of the game. Um, so I think it was uh, I think it was a real a real tough one. Um, I I don't know how much you can read into that for 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 this this coming weekend. Um, I haven't paid that much attention to Brentford yet this season. I I I believe you're not in great form coming into this one, and I think that uh, that that could be a little bit of a worry. I don't know if Haaland will be fit, but of course, um, like he's not going to the World Cup. So if he's if he's kind of seventy five percent, I don't see why he wouldn't play. Um, and I think that 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 could be really difficult for for Brentford to um, to deal with. I as a score prediction, um, I'm going to go for let's go for City one, uh, City three, Brentford one, and uh, and, and and hope that uh, that Haaland can uh, can do the business. So uh, best of luck for the weekend. Uh, best of luck for the rest of the season, and I'll see you soon. To Dave from Blue Moon and naturally he's very happy he's, he's always going to be happy isn't he um, saying that there's a different level of happiness over there because you know you know it's one of those ones where you know if you probably and again this is not a disrespect for you Dave but it's like you know you know you've won the league and you've won the league cup and you may have won the FA cup but you haven't won the, the European you know the, the, the Champions League so then you, you've got a lot of unhappiness there you know it's a different level of unhappiness over in that camp than it is to us where you know we're unhappy because we haven't beaten Gillingham you know <laughs> and we used to beat them all the time back in the day but well, we're not going to talk about that Gillingham game anymore but Manchester City ladies and gentlemen the question is can we pull a little surprise out of the bag just like Crystal Palace did last season when you talk about that Burnley game we're on the way to Burnley and we met some Palace fans on the way to, to, to Man City and I thought no chance and next minute, bang, they got a result out there. So do you think we can do the same, Laney? Bloody unlikely, let's be honest. You know, um, Anything is possible in football. You, you know, We need to do what Gillingham did to us. Um, and, but I, I just can't see it. It's, it's, if, if, if it goes to any kind of form, um, then, you know, then they win. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, as I said earlier, we have to go there with a the mindset of getting some sort of pride out of it and making it as difficult as they can, um, and not not being too negative if we can if we can get away with that or we, if we can be brave enough. But you know they are an incredible team to watch. I I don't often um, enjoy watching these uh, you know hyper elite teams, um, the ones that win everything. But there's something beautiful about the way they play the game. Um, I can't really fault their attitude either. They're not. They're, they, they're not arrogant. Often they can be, but not often. The, the desire to win the ball back is always there. Uh, they've always got uh, you know that self belief that even if they're losing right until the last minute, there's there's they will get something out of the game. It's, there's so much to learn from um, uh, and standards that um, very few teams I've ever seen and players that ever can um, uh, emulate or, or, or reach those peaks you know even players like Jack Grealish look quite average <laughs> in that team <laughs> where they're, they're going to look excellent everywhere else um, I, I haven't got a bad word to say about you know Man City as, as in terms of their playing the way they play obviously we can talk about the ownership which is a you know for a different day but um, it's it's uh, it's 
something that I don't think we'd be able to cope with on Saturday. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to be proved wrong, but, you know, there's enough evidence there that suggests that, you know, we um, have got the world to take on. Literally, they've got the best players in the world. We wouldn't go to football matches if we always knew who was going to win, would we? So, you know, th- there is always a chance that we could pull off a shock. Um, always a chance. And, you know, we would none of us would be going if we didn't think there was a, a small chance. But it is a very small chance. Like Laney says, they're a very good team. And they're a better team than they were last year because they've got Haaland. It's a pity that he's just come back from his injury in time to play us, really, isn't it? Because we could have done without that <laughs> added power up front. Um, I would love, absolutely love it, in the words of Kevin Keegan, if we could go up there and get a result. Um, but it, it would be, it would probably be the greatest achievement that Brentford have ever ever had. Really, I think if we did somehow pull off a win. Um, but even a draw, you know, if we get a creditable performance and our goal difference still doesn't get an absolute bashing, then I, you know, I think I'd be reasonably happy. I'd be a bit more confident if it wasn't at twelve thirty. I think we're generally. We don't do well in early kickoffs. That worries me a bit as well. Um, yeah, I can't see us getting anything from it, but you never know. It's football. You never, ever know. And, you know, you've got to travel in a little bit of hope, haven't you? Let's, let's just put this, let's put this in perspective, this game. So Manchester City, their strengths and weaknesses, what are they good at? They're Everything. Very good at, <laughs> they're very good at shooting from direct free kicks. From finishing scoring chances, from attacking down the wings, creating chances through through balls, stop, defending set stop. pieces. Yeah. They're stop. strong at coming stop. back blah, from blah, losing blah, positions, blah, creating blah. scoring chances, creating long, spot, long shot stop. opportunities, <laughs> strong counter-attacks, uh, strong at attacking set oh, pieces up, and Bill. strong at aerial Bill, duels. Stop. However, however... Their weaknesses. Mm. Oh, no. What are their weaknesses? What are their weaknesses? They can't defend. Uh, they can defend. Um, what are their weaknesses? They are defensively, yeah. are they? There must be a defensive right. weakness. Winning the Champions right. League. Yeah, okay, so their weaknesses are, there's one weakness, stopping opponents from creating chances. So the fact is that, in principle, we can get chances, but we need to make sure that we put them in the back of their net. Their style of play, their possession football, short passes, they control the game in our half, they attack through the middle, attack down the left, they attempt through balls often, they're non-aggressive, and they rotate their first 11. So that is what we're up against. Now, I'm, I'm going to be glass half full, man. I'm going to say, let's have a look at this, stopping opponents from creating chances. There's a, there's an opportunity for us there, isn't there, Lady? Yes, there is, yeah. I mean, I'm, you know... I, it is football. We saw that on Tuesday night. It's it's a, it's a superb game, where um, you know the predictable doesn't always happen, and there's always there's always a shock, and and they will lose at home once, if not twice, a season, and it won't always be against their their championship rivals. So you know it, it does happen. We 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 need a lot to go our way. As you say, we need to create the chances. We need to take them. They need to be uh, wasteful, and they need to uh, be very generous. And Harland needs to get nowhere near that pitch. Okay, well, I mean, I did Manchester City um, official TV channel actually this morning or this afternoon, and uh, I was talking to you know obviously I mentioned the Harland, and they said to well actually well there's a, probably there's a high possibility they'll actually be on the bench yeah. on Saturday against Brentford, which I think mm, okay that's that's why that's, that's that, quite why would that quite. Be? He's not going to the World Cup. It's not like he's, he's been he's listen, been on listen, the bench listen, for the last couple of games. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, yeah, but he's yeah, been injured, yeah. didn't he? I yeah. thought he was back. Yeah, so, I thought he was yeah, fully okay, fit. Okay, listen, listen. I'm not. I don't work for Manchester City. I can only go by the word of the of the reporter who from Manchester City who just said that to me. Which she said to me, does that think that's opened up an opportunity for? 
for Brentford. And I didn't want to be negative. I said, that's probably quite a good thing because that means they'll only score six goals instead of seven. Uh, you know, but that was just, that's a bit of a joke that I tried to say. So please don't, don't start writing in and start getting really upset. But the fact is that, you know, th- there is that opportunity, but also from our side. And again, like I said to you, I'm going to point back to the fact that Laney, we talked about this. When we turned around and said, Norgard, he's a great passer of the ball, isn't he? And him back in that side... That can actually be a massive difference. Well, it is a massive difference for us, isn't it? Yeah, we 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 have got really quality players. It's, you know, Damsgaard and uh, Norgard and Jensen. You know, um, I, I'm assuming that the reason you know that Norgard started off, obviously we need him fit, as Denmark need him fit. Um, there's there's <laughs> there is quality in our team. You know, you've got Rico. We we know we we know we have got excellent players, but we need them all to crank up. The volume and they all have to be on their their top their top game. Defence needs to be watertight as well. Um, you know, any anything is possible. We know that, and you know, if if it is one of those games that they they lose, then you know, I'll I'll be delighted. You know, it's a free hit though, isn't it? It's a free hit. We we're not you know nobody expects us to win it. Um, most people, probably including ourselves, expect us to be well beaten. Um, you know, the, the players have got nothing to lose, really, have they? So, you know, that, that's, when, that's when things happen, when you've got nothing to lose. That's when football throws up strange results. You just never know. You just never know. I've just got a sneaking feeling about this one, which, you know, hopefully I won't be... I, just, I, don't, I don't often get sneaking feelings that we're going to do something. <laughs> but I just really, really do about this one for some reason. I don't know why, because um, we've not been in great form and, you know, we're cobbling together a team at the moment. Just got a sneaking suspicion that something might happen. Yeah. Well, listen, we're all going to keep our fingers crossed. I mean, I'm going to go around the table here, and I'm going to ask you for a score prediction, Laney. Three-one uh, to Man City. Nali Malali. I two-one to Man City. And I'm going to go as I said on the Manchester City Blue Moon Blue Moon podcast. One-one. I'm going to go for a sneaky little draw, which I think it's oh, going to feel like that, a win. Take that. Yeah. All day, week. So anyway, listen. Um, this is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. This is, I suppose, this is officially our last proper Thursday podcast before the World Cup. But don't forget, I'm going to be trying to do a podcast a day from the World Cup in Qatar. Let's just see how that goes. Pride of West London. We may have a little uh, little partner that we might be working with as well on that. We're trying to work on something as well to try and bring it to a bit of a wider audience on that one for the World Cup. So we will keep tuned on that one. But like I said to you, Pride of London, please subscribe and it will automatically download to your phone or to your laptop or whatever you do. Don't forget to subscribe on all good podcast channels and also don't forget to write us a review. Don't forget to subscribe and also to our Kofi channel and buy us a beer on besotted.com forward slash beer our social media group is besotted global besotted.com forward slash global and uh, we've got to check something out there's a few things I think has gone a bit a bit, bit awry with uh, with global which is which is good actually we, we need to just sort of check it out just to make sure because I've had, had a few messages from people seeing that I need to check out a few things so I will do be very very busy this week uh, doing all sorts of malarkey as has Eleni because Eleni's book's been posted out as you've seen uh, the revolution you know um, the Viva the revolution of Brentford is, mm-hmm. is, is, is flying into people's mailboxes as we speak so Eleni has been doing the postman pat jobby seeing as that the postmen are on strike as well and like I said to you this is no disrespect to the postman 
people because we think if you have to do what you have to do that's fine so if we have to go out there and post the um, the, the books ourselves then that is what needs to be done because at the end of the day you know the, 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 that's, that's what it was and, and the postmen need to do what they have to do to make sure they get what they have to get so no moaning there going on at all so like I said to you Laney's been postman Pat I've been you know Thomas Franking myself right up but not quite Thomas Frank myself I'm on the sidelines with the Barnet Panthers and I've had a very busy week with that as well so like I said keeping us busy uh, so other than that like I said to you um, we've given our score predictions and I'm going to say goodbye to my guests today I've got Laney in the place good evening enjoy the World Cup Bill and um I'll, I'll, I'll do a Brentford Revolution podcast in the next week or two as well, like something something separate. So, um, yeah, so I need, I, need, I need a few people. Breakaway. Any, 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 anyone that's uh, ordered the book and read it and, and would like to talk about it, um, um, drop us, drop us, uh, drop us a, a DM or a DM. drop us a tweet and say, Email. I've read it um, and I'd, I'd like to Knock talk about it on the podcast. It'd be quite nice, to, like a big book review. It'd be quite nice, quite interesting. That's right. And also we've got Ali Malali in the place. Aye, yeah, get to the G-Tech on Sunday afternoon. Get <laughs> you your tickets. It's going to be a great afternoon. It's going to be fantastic. You Don't forget like, about it. You sound like Ali G then. It will G, cheer then. you up. It will cheer you up <laughs> after Saturday. Yeah, that's right. Ali, Ali M in the Ali G mode there. You know. Don't forget. <laughs> that's right. So tickets, uh, just go to Brentford website, just look for the tickets. Or go to her game too as well. Ali's from her game too. Brentford and go and check out her Twitter page, her Instagram page. And they'll be all over that as well. So go and definitely check that out. It's going to be very, very good. I'll be down there on a Sunday as well, which is all good. But like I said to you, my name's Billy Grant and I'm here in the place. I'm going to play Manchester City. I'm very nervous about that. Anything's possible. Come on, Come on, you bees. Come on, you bees. Get them city people. Let's do them. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.